This is an after-school program podcast. Welcome to the Home Studio Hangout Podcast, where we explore what it's like building, running, and working out of a home studio with your hosts, Joshua Matutuk, Andrew Simmons, and many guests in different areas of the music industry. And welcome back to the Home Studio Hangout Podcast. Today, it is your boy Andrew, not with Josh, because Josh is finishing his last-minute shopping for Christmas time, but I am here with my friend Mike uh, from New York. Mike, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing good, man. I'm excited to be here. I know, man. I'm super stoked. So me and Mike have been online friends for a couple years now. Um, I want to say 2018. That sounds about right. Uh, it was like 2017. That? It was 2017. Yeah, I think so. Because it was the year after we both took the profitable producer course. I yes. be- I do believe. Yeah, that sounds about right. Um, I don't know. I'm losing track. The last <laughs> was, like two years yeah. don't count. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Everything's just a blur from 2019 to now. Everything's exactly. just just we're just speeding through time at <laughs> freaking Mach 12. Uh, Pretty much. So yeah, dude, we've been friends for you know online friends for a hot second. Uh, you housed my band one time whenever I wasn't there. <laughs> I uh, did. <laughs> that was cool. You it made was. sure that they were cool the, dudes. You made sure that they didn't freeze in the night. So I appreciate <laughs> that. They uh, they tried pretty hard to freeze in the night. Actually, <laughs> did um, they? Yeah, they ran out of gas on the thruway on oh the way God. to my house, and uh, they called me and they're like, "Yeah, we're gonna be like." ridiculously late like don't don't even worry about it we're just gonna sleep in a parking lot i'm like no please no, no please not don't. in new york not <laughs> in the winter time also who thought it was a good idea to tour in the winter time in new york <laughs> guys that is why i did not go on the run i was not about to be in a van in 20 degree weather that's smart ridiculous man. that is ridiculous <laughs> very smart man i feel for them for that, because that they told me on the way back that they drove through a blizzard going through Baltimore or something like that, and like uh-huh. could barely see. It sounded like a nightmare. <laughs> anyway, yeah, winter's the worst. Yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah, me and Mike have been friends for a hot minute. Been uh, talking about we were we were in a group. Uh, I guess we're still technically in the group, <laughs> but um, yeah. yeah, it's been a minute though. We just don't talk as much, but. Um, uh, is where I met my fr- my friends Chris Davis and Chris Bowman, who have introduced me to a lot of other friends, um, both of which I have not had on, by the way. And I've been trying to convince both of them to get on to do that the podcast. should happen. Yeah, it should happen. Um, and but I have had Stephen on, so that's where if uh, listeners that had listened to Stephen Kinsley's episode, uh, Stephen was also a part of this group, um, our mastermindy group. You know, lots of uh, lots of fun conversations we have, but we kind of all have been kind of coming up together at the same time and watching each other grow and build our own businesses, and that's been super fun. Uh, so yeah, Mike, stoked you said yes to do it on this. <laughs> Heck yeah, nice, absolutely pre Christmas December afternoon. <laughs> yeah, that um, uh, Christmas snuck up on me. I know, when did right? That happen? I know, right? Um. Yeah, this episode won't come out till January, so everybody is going to be like, eh. But uh, yeah, it definitely snuck up on me too. I uh, literally finished cr- uh, Christmas shopping yesterday. So nice. 
Um, but yeah, let's uh let's just kind of dive into you, Mike. So for those that have no idea who the heck you are, which is probably most people, uh, <laughs> why don't you introduce yourself? Hey, I'm Mike. Um, I run a recording studio in upstate New York called The Bunker Recordings, and I work with pop punk bands primarily and uh, surrounding genres, pop rock, indie rock. I'm bad at genres, so I don't know. <laughs> All that kind of stuff. Stuff with guitars and sadness. Pretty much, yeah. That's the vibe. <laughs> Happy sounding songs <laughs> that lyrically are very depressing. <laughs> exactly. You know what's up. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, that's that's what I do. Yeah, awesome. Uh, you're still at the Bunker Recordings, right? Yeah. Yes, yeah. On Instagram. Um, and I think you're just Mike Dwyer on Facebook. And I don't know any other places that you would care to send people so um, oh website just, real quick if you want yeah, to drop uh, that the bunker recordings.com or uh like you said uh on instagram at the bunker recordings but that's where you'll find me yeah um so let's kind of dive into your history mike so let's uh how did you kind of get started with music or uh kind of music in general and then kind of how did you get started in recording and that whole world which is very very different <laughs> Yeah. Um, I mean, like music wise, um, I don't know. It started in like, I don't know, middle school, probably. Um, mm -hmm. There was some new kid at school who I became friends with. We we're like skateboarding outside and crap like that. And uh, he showed me, um, he introduced me to like pop punk music, you know, like early like Blink-182 stuff and Heck Less yeah. Than Jake and um, all that stuff. And just like fell in love with it. And I was like, dude, we got to start a band. And we did because that's what you do. That's what you do when you live <laughs> in kind of the middle of nowhere. Exactly. <laughs> so bought a bass. He bought a guitar. We found a drummer, started playing music. Um, and then, you know, it was just uh, re recording just kind of came initially out of necessity because mm -hmm. we had this band and, you know, had to have some music to put up on our MySpace uh, <laughs> back in the day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, I had just kind of taken charge of that. It was just like, oh, yeah, let's uh, let's figure this out. You know, bought like a little eight-track uh, Fostec recorder thing and was doing that for a little while and then tried using like my sister's laptop and recording into GarageBand and doing stuff like that. Um, it was always just like a means to record our music, though. Like, for sure. I wasn't like thinking about it. And this was all – you grew up upstate New York? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Born and raised upstate New York. But um, what uh, what area is this? Uh, right now I'm in Catskill, and I grew up just like really close to this. Oh, so. Okay, so you're pretty close by where you. Yeah, grew up. exactly. Gotcha. But um, but yeah. So then uh, some at some point we uh, decided to go to the studio. Well, sort of two things kind of uh, stemmed me getting really into recording. Um, we decided to go to a uh real studio <laughs> real studio. um i use that term very loosely it was yeah. some dude's uh you know spare bedroom or whatever um and not nearly as well equipped as a lot of people's spare bedroom studios are nowadays but at the time it was the coolest thing yeah uh we had done um but so i remember going there for the first time and just thinking it was the coolest thing ever and being like, whoa, this guy's like getting paid to record. Like, that's the <laughs> coolest thing. Um, and yeah, I just like fell in love with it. Like, despite his home studio not being, you know, anything 
too crazy. Um, he did have mm. a crazy amp collection, um, like Mesa boogies, uh, Soldanos, all kinds of goodies. Oh shoot! So yeah, like, yeah, the good stuff. Yeah, he had <laughs> some really really nice amps, and I just remember like, yeah, when he was like figuring out the guitar tones and stuff, I was just like, oh my god, this is amazing. Mm-hmm. And then uh, around the same time, uh, I had come across the. Uh, Blink-182, when they were recording their self-titled record. They, oh, the documentary? Yeah. I had been, like, coming across that on YouTube. Um, yeah. And this was in the days of dial-up when, you know, you'd have to load a YouTube video for, like, 20 minutes before yep. you could watch it. Um, especially uh, especially an entire documentary that was, like, yes. an hour and a half, two hours long. Yeah. So um, I was just, like, binging those, watching uh, producer Jerry Finn and engineer Ryan Hewitt, mm-hmm. um, you know, just making magic and being geniuses. Exactly. And just thought that was like the sickest thing ever. And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to do that. That's, uh, that's what I'm going to do. And thus launched you into the expense, <laughs> to the expensive <laughs> world that you now live. Oh yes, absolutely. <laughs> no, that, I mean, that's super cool. I mean, I feel like everybody has that moment, right? Where it's like, mm-hmm. It's that one thing where you either find a record or you have an experience where you go record or um, like you watch that documentary, right? So I know for me, it was going to, um, I worked with a country guy right after I had dropped out of college. Uh, I was playing guitar for a country guy. He was recording at... um, big studio want to say it was ocean way i don't remember it was one of the ones that was in nashville mm-hmm. it's like in an old church it's huge uh beautiful i was like man so you can just like my first thought was yo you can just post up anywhere and throw gear in it and it's a studio <laughs> that's crazy um yeah, then it kind of led me into the world of, you know, it's a very similar thing. It's like, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. I can just, like, do this. Yeah. <laughs> and down the rabbit hole you went. Exactly. Exactly. So, okay. So what got you from there to going to the city? Um, Never actually went to the city. The um, the place you're thinking of. Um, oh, yeah. Where the, the studio that I'm thinking of. Sorry. Yeah. That was, um, that was also in upstate. Okay, that was an upstate. Okay. Um, yeah, it's in a town called Rhinebeck. Um, it's maybe two hours north of the city. Gotcha. Like 40 minutes south of me. Um, but yeah, so um, so after getting super into recording, um, I actually went to audio school for a couple years. Okay. Um, just because it yeah. seemed like you something you're supposed to do. Uh, Finger Lakes Community College out in nice. western New York. Nice. Some uh, random little community college that had... Uh, you know, a ridiculously sick recording studio hey. built into the middle of it. That's cool. Yeah. Hey, they were honestly, they were ahead of their time then. Yeah. That's really cool. <laughs> I it, tried it, to find one of those around me and that doesn't exist here. Yeah, it was um it was quite the find. It was cool. Like I, I don't usually, you know, necessarily recommend people go to audio school, but like Yeah. Not um, nowadays, especially. But yeah. like I mean, this was what? What year was this for you? Uh it would have been twenty ten. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, same. We're in the same like time frame of our lives. That was, yeah. mine would have been like two thousand nine, two thousand and ten. I try to explain this to people. the The internet was not nearly as developed as it is now, <laughs> for sure. Um, 
And like there were there, I mean, there were forums. I won't say that it it couldn't happen because there were forums for people. But like, unless you were a super nerd, I didn't know what a forum was whenever I was going into college. No, for sure. Same here. I didn't know what like a thread was. I don't understand all of this terminology. I was just a dude who's only lived in Podunk nowhere and had dial up. <laughs> uh, but then you also have this is wild to think about and to put this into perspective. For you too, uh, in 2010, the year that you were at college, Misha put out that first periphery record. Really, Th- think about that. Right, <laughs> that record was done 100 by Misha in his own studio in his house. And, that is wild, and it sounds so good. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. So no, I didn't realize just, that. Just for some perspective. There you go, <laughs> which means it was probably made in 2009. Yeah. That's but yeah, no, you're right. Like, it totally was different than like, um, you know, even uh, besides just forums, you know, like YouTube tutorials or something yeah. like maybe uh, Graham from the Recording Revolution was around. That was probably about and, it. Yeah, but I, and he was more blogs, I think, at that point. Okay. Yeah, he might not have even really been into the I don't the even know if he had yeah, done the video part yet. But he yeah, may, so just he like, may have, he may have, but, but even, even so, then, like not, not a whole lot yeah. of, of stuff out there. Yeah. And yeah. And even then, yeah, it's like super basic stuff. He was like how to record on garage band, which like for me in 2010, having a Mac was unthinkable. Uh huh. So, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Do not recommend recording school now. I think I've had a couple different conversations about this. <laughs> Do not recommend going to recording school now. But when we talk about going to school for music in 2009, 2010, just know that it was a way different time where we had way different expectations. And we also didn't know what the heck was going on with the world. So <laughs> exactly. But so, um, but yeah, so as I was finishing up there, you know, I was, um, I, I had always had the dream of like working at some big, massive studio mm-hmm. Um, and eventually having my own big, massive studio. Um, and so a friend of a friend had recommended this place called the clubhouse, which was less than an hour from me. Mm -hmm. Um, so as I was finishing up school, uh, I went down there and, uh, met with the owner and started an internship there. And I spent, oh, I don't know maybe seven years working there or something. Dang, I didn't, realize it, I didn't realize it was that long. Yeah, it was a long time. Shoot, uh, I came in on as, like the last couple years of that. Yeah, exactly. Yes, when we met, that was like right near the end Yeah, um, of my time there. But um, but yeah, started as an intern and then uh, worked as an assistant engineer and an engineer on certain projects. And uh, But yeah, that was um, a really, really insanely cool experience yeah Yeah. i mean Um, you basically walked into a situation that gave you some like legit credits yeah like uh self-brag mike what'd you work on (laughs) what'd you work uh, on like did you work on some legit stuff for real yeah no um i worked on a sean mendez record i worked on his uh illuminate um the second record right or the first record yes that's the second record second record okay um the best one in my opinion, but agreed (laughs) for sure. Um, worked on the Lumineers Cleopatra. Also second record. Yep. Um, (laughs) worked with, uh, Vance joy. Um, really? I didn't know. Yeah. 
Oh yeah, that, that was a fun one. Um, Bob Weir, um, uh, Glenn Matlock from the Sex Pistols. Lot, a lot of cool. Yeah, artists. that's really um, cool. And you were, uh, are you assistant engineer on all of those? Yeah, I was assistant on all of those. Cool. Um, although you know that can mean <laughs> that can mean <laughs> that can mean various things. things but. Yeah, yeah, that can mean a bunch of stuff. Because I know, uh, and you could tell. I'm going to lead into this story that you are. I already know, but you can tell it. Uh, the because you got you around this time you got into building your own drums. Yes. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, it, it all started. Um, I, I've always just been kind of a nerd about stuff, and I wanted to get a new snare drum. Just wasn't happy with like the cheap stuff I had at the time, mm-hmm. and so I was like, "All right, I'm I'm gonna." If I'm going to go buy some really expensive snare drum or whatever, let me like really find out what I actually want. Cause I didn't, you know, I had no idea. Mm-hmm. So I started doing a bunch of research and stuff and, you know, came up with exactly what I would have wanted and then saw how expensive that would have been. <laughs> um, and so somewhere along that line, I had stumbled across um, a type of drum called a stave drum. And basically without getting too nerdy, um, so a normal go for wood, it, dude. I don't care. <laughs> full nerd. Yeah, go it. Hundred percent. So, um, so a typical uh, drum, a wooden one, not a obviously metal is different, but um, yeah. a typical drum is basically plywood that's uh, just bent into a circle. Mm-hmm. Um, but stave drums are like single individual pieces of vertical wood mm-hmm. that are kind of glued into a almost circle and then lathed into an actual circle. <laughs> um. But so I had like stumbled across that and um, I was just like, hey, I bet I could build one of those, which was remarkably cocky of me. <laughs> um, Love the confidence. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but so um, so I went at it and like I, I had like a little bit of like woodworking background, not like yeah. a ton. Um, and I had like a handful of tools, but like not the right ones. <laughs> um, but so like. Everything about building that first drum was like super, super sketchy. And it's amazing. I didn't like lose a couple fingers. And it's amazing that it ended up actually being a drum at the end of the day. Um, But it did. And it sounded like pretty good. Not perfect, but like pretty darn good. Um, And good enough that like, you know, I had a good time doing it. And I was like, I bet I could, you know, refine this process, go buy a couple proper tools. Mm -hmm. And do this a whole lot better. Um, so I did. And I built a second one. And uh, I had brought that down to the clubhouse where I was working to show it to the owner. And he absolutely loved it and bought it from me. And that ended up getting used on, I mean, a lot of records. Um, yeah. But that was that was most of the snare drum on uh, Sean's record. Um, the live snare. Obviously, oh, I didn't know that. Of, yeah, yeah, it was used on that. I knew. Um, I knew you said it was the the only snare on the Cleopatra record because yes. that re- that that record is like mostly not drums, but the songs <laughs> yeah, there's that, like the songs that have drums. It, the snare <laughs> is yours. Yeah, there's like two songs with snare drum. Uh, yeah, the rest is mostly like stomps and claps. But uh, yeah, but yeah, um, and yeah, Cleopatra. That's my snare on that. Um, and what was really cool is. At the end of that, um, Ryan Hewitt engineered that record, who's like a major hero of mine. He is the man. Yep. Um, But he really loved the drum and liked, you know, working on it, working with it on that record. Um, 
So basically, uh, the studio owner was like, hey, can you make an exact replica of this drum? Because Ryan wants this, but I don't want to give it up. So um, so I built another one just like it. It was a big uh, eight inch deep, 14 by eight, just like a monster of a Oof, snare. Golly. No wonder you um, liked that thing. Yeah, it's so that cool. That thing's a cannon. Yeah. People don't use deep enough snares. No. <laughs> Eights are so cool. Yeah. Well, and you, when you tune them up like kind of high and they get this nice like. Yeah, they, they still have the beef even when they're tuned uh, high. Oh, yeah. I love them. I love it so much. Um, But yeah, so that one that was used on um, the Lumineers record is now living in Nashville with Ryan. Nice. And uh, the replica is uh, still at the clubhouse getting the, used the on. Number th- the number three. Yes. If you will. <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah, and actually the clubhouse has two of my drums now. And um, Oh, really? Yeah. And f- last time I was down there talking with them, uh, you know, the current assistant there was like, oh yeah, we use those on everything just about. <laughs> So that's pretty cool. Heck yeah, that's <laughs> that's super sick, dude. So yeah, man. And we're um, so what were some like I don't know, like what were some takeaways that you? Because I mean, that's kind of really that's the dream, right? Like, uh-huh. like that's kind of the dream for everybody that's getting into this whole music studio recording thing. At least like at the time, right now it, the dream's a little different. But, yeah. But like, you know, I mean, even now it's, I want to work in a big studio if I can. I want to make, I want to work on cool records if I can, you know? Mm-hmm. What was some stuff that you kind of learned through that process that kind of stuck out to you? And maybe even some like instances of, you know, working with people or on your own or things like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. There were so many. Um, again, being like a commercial studio, you know, there'd be you know, we had a house engineer or whatever, but like Mm. there were other engineers and producers coming in all the time. So it was really cool to just be able to see so many different, uh, people's takes on, you know, recording bass drums and guitars, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, some, that some things that really stuck out to me, um, my very first day as an intern, um, you know, fresh out of audio school where they teach you all the rules and, you know, (laughs) all that junk. Um, the, uh, engineer was Joe Blaney, who is an absolute legend. Mm-hmm. And, um, I remember he was, what was he doing? He was riding the fader on the console, uh, on the vocal into a compressor while tracking. Um, oh, that's cool. Yeah. So he, he was just, you know, exactly like controlling the level, um, pre leveling the vocal into the compressor while tracking. And, uh, that just like blew my mind again as like first day out of college where it's just like get everything clean and don't screw it up. Um, <laughs> yeah. Just watching him like doing something that, you know, potentially could screw something up, but just like going for it. Um, That's a whole nother level of confidence. Yeah. Like I'm I, this thing. I'm just going to push it heavy into this thing into this compressor or whatever to kind of get the right amount of grit in certain places that i want exactly but um but yeah so that was like a huge takeaway of one just like break the rules you know screw it just do whatever to get the sound um and yeah just just to go for it like um make it happen um but yeah that that was a great one um another one 
that was uh, Joe Blaney. He recorded uh, the Clashes Combat Rock, mm-hmm. and uh, I think he did some of the, like the Ramones and a bunch of earlier early punk stuff like that. Um, I did a session with him, and it wasn't so much in the session itself, but he was just like telling stories from recording the Clash. Mm-hmm. And The Clash is one of my absolute favorite bands, so it was amazing hearing these stories. But um, basically, like, quick version of that story is uh, he was he was like an intern or something at the studio, mm-hmm. and The Clash came in, and they were like, hey, we want... Your, they were just, like, hanging out with him or whatever, and they were become friends with him. And then it was time to do their record. They're like, hey, we want Joe to do this. And everyone at the studio was like, oh, no, no, no. He's... <laughs> He's just the intern or whatever. Yeah. Like, he's the runner. No. Um, they're like, no, we're we're going to record this with Joe. Um, but like he, because he was just like a runner at the time or whatever, like he knew how to run the faders and run the console and make stuff work, but like just barely. And he didn't really know like how everything was properly done or whatever. Yeah. So he was just like making stuff up and doing crazy stuff that um, nowadays might not be too insane, but like at the time, um, you know, things were much more rigid and, Mm -hmm. you know, you just, you did it the right way. And that was that. Um, but he was just trying all kinds of crazy stuff. Like, um, I think it's like, might be the rock, the Casbah guitar tone or something. It's just like a DI guitar just slamming into a lexicon PCM 42, um, which (laughs) has like such a weird thing. That's (laughs) really strange. Yeah. it, It might not be that song. Um, but I, th- I feel like it might be. Um, I'd have to listen to the the record again to see which song that was. But yeah, like because um, that that delay just has uh, a crazy limiter in it, mm-hmm. and they were just smashing it, and <laughs> that was the sound. You know, that, like nobody else would have done that, but yeah. because he didn't know what the heck he was doing, he was just trying stuff and getting creative. Um, there, there is something to be said for like that level of blissful ignorance, right? Uh-huh. Like. Do you, you remember like the first time you were ever messing around with recording and all that kind of stuff? And it's like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just going to try some stuff. <laughs> Absolutely. But like, I, I try to still do that to an extent, mm-hmm. um, at least like once a project, you know, like obviously now I've got, I, I know what works for me. I know what sounds good, mm-hmm. but um, I always try to throw just like some oddball in somewhere um, just to try something weird and crazy and it might suck. And if push it does, a mic we'll just, weird or put a mic in a different place or yeah or just use something crazy um i've got some of these really really crappy old amps um mm-hmm. they're like total pieces of junk one of them doesn't even have a brand name it just says st- solid state amplifier from like <laughs> the early 60s or something so they're yeah. like really really old and bad um but every once in a while it's just like hey what happens if we throw an acoustic guitar into that or what if we plug a vocal into that or something. Um, you know, I, I like just having fun stuff like that around and just mm-hmm. try. And obviously you can do crazy stuff with, you know, all the plugins that are out there too. Just like yeah. go grab the weirdest plugins and chuck it on stuff and see on, what happens. On bigger projects, a thing that I've started doing is one of two things. I've either said, um, I'm going to use, as I'm going to use – if I was like a sample thing, it's like I'm only going to use samples that I've never used before. Mm-hmm. Or if it's like more of like a synth thing, it's like I'm going to I'm gonna use one synth that I've never touched. Like, I, you know, I got a new plug-in or something like that. I'm going to use that thing. Got no idea how it works. 
Uh-huh. I'm just going to use it just yeah, to see what great. I can get out of it. It's super fun. I did that when I got Anna 2, I think, for the first time because I had never messed with it. And I, I came up with some wild patches. And then you just save all of those and you're like, all right, cool. Here's a bunch of really cool <laughs> stuff that sounds great. Exactly. Um, or like, yeah, I, like I use I'm one sorry. of these pocket operators sometimes. Uh-huh. Um, this is uh, literally a bass synth. Nice. In in a little thing. Like it makes little like. Oh, that's little, sick. Little sounds. It's super sick. Um, and I have one that's a sampler. Uh, they're like 50 bucks. They're super cool. Teenage Engineering that makes the uh, the OP one, mm-hmm. they they make those. Oh, um, nice. So they're just little individual engines. But like sometimes I'll be like, all right, all the bass on all the bass on this hip hop song is going to be that thing. I'm going <laughs> to play it, it all, uh, or whatever. I'm going to I'm going to write a song, but I'm going to start the song with a sequence that I write on one of these things first, and mm-hmm. then that just kind of gives me a you know, different way of thinking or a different place to start or come at it from a different angle that, you know, you kind of keep that newness about you yeah, know, for making sure. music. Again, it can just like, you know, I, I, I've seen a lot of people who just, they figure out what works and then they just go for it over and over. And like, it sounds good, but like, I don't know, one, it's just a lot less fun. Yeah. I was like, where's um, the fun in that? Yeah. And then two, I don't know. You know, you, you just come up with like new sounds that might end up being something even cooler and better than what you're doing before. Or you know? like in a in a sense of that Clash record, it's like genre defining. Yes, exactly. Like legitimately <laughs> changes the landscape of how records are made. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but yeah, so like I'm all, whenever I'm talking to people, I'm always encouraging them. Like you know, if you're recording a drum set or something, like do your normal setup and then grab one more mic and just put it somewhere weird and mm-hmm. do something crazy. Like you can just mute it later if it sucks. I but. became a fan of a crotch mic because of that. Uh, uh-huh. yeah, I'll try that sometimes. Yeah. Um, it, it really depends on the project now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause I know what it sounds like, but, or like a side snare mic. I don't know if, have you ever like oh, yeah. mic'd the side of the snare? Yep, like, that can be fun. Th- especially. So like on like a deeper snare, it works really, really well because it takes up some the snare takes so much up so much physical space that the mic gets less bleed mm-hmm. so you get more of the cool like resonance off of the wood or like the way it's because you build the the snare sla- slatted mm-hmm. um there's like air coming theoretically there's still there's a seam there so there's something coming in between those you know mm-hmm. naturally so there's i don't know i think it's a cool in theory in my mind it's a cool way to get a different crack out of a snare. Yeah, for sure. Um, something I've been doing uh, just, I don't know, in the last six months or something is uh, I picked up some cheap contact mics and I'll oh, just like cool stick them to random things while tracking <laughs> drums. That's super cool. Yeah, they almost always sound bad, but um, <laughs> but everyone has a good time with it. And once in a while, we'll stumble onto something pretty decent. Um, like literally 99% of the time it t- sounds like trash. Um, but again, it's putting them on, um, I'll try sticking it on the walls. I'll try sticking it on the <laughs> drums. The thing that sounded best so far is I have this giant wood diffuser right behind my drum set. Um, that sounded really good. Oh, I bet that sounds cool. Yeah. It was like super, um, it sounded like a room mic, even though like a kind of far away room mic, even though it's only a couple feet yeah. from the kit, but it was like super subby and, 
uh weird wild. lo-fi and, and like you just like eq out all that bottom and it just sounds like a really midi like yeah mono it was mic really cool but again it's just like fun because i'll just be like I'll, i don't know sometimes i'll just ask the drummer if i'm out of ideas i'll just be like hey what should i stick this on and, <laughs> and whatever because i know it's going to sound good without it so like yeah, i don't really yeah, care yeah. if it sounds good or not yeah, like not i like hope a, it does it's not like a necessary thing yeah that's that's really cool yeah i think that's something that people get so bogged down with like what is the quote unquote right way to do things you know mm-hmm. um hearing that it takes watching somebody who makes records like on a gold and platinum level mm-hmm. sometimes just like watching them screw around and just yeah. like try stuff and it's like oh yeah i forget like i can do that <laughs> <laughs> exactly well no it's true like i i still get caught in it sometimes where like um you know it'll especially happen for me if i stumble across some new mixer mm-hmm. who's um who I previously didn't know about, who was just like absolutely crushing it. And I'll just like totally get obsessed and be like, how do they do that? How do they do that? And um, it's like everybody, when they found out Nolly did top down mixing. Yes, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, and, you know, like you try so hard to just like do, like you said, like do the right thing, mm-hmm. do, um, do it correctly uh, that you forget to just kind of have fun and, do it your way for sure. So, okay. So you were there for, you said seven years, somewhere around that, give or take. Yeah. Shoot. So you were there from like 2011 to like 2018, maybe 2019, something like that. Something 2012, like that. 2012, yeah, it might have been six years. Yeah. Six or like seven. Somewhere um, around there though. Okay. That's super. And then, so after that, what made you decide to, to dip? Um, well, like the whole time I was, uh, you know, I had my home studio. I had a home studio at my parents' house. Uh, mm-hmm. Just, you know, cool little setup in their basement. Um, I had that going the whole time. Um, just recording, you know, n- not like a ton because most of my time was spent at the other studio. Mm-hmm. But um, but just occasionally booking some like local bands and stuff like that. And, um, you know, that, that just started to grow a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. And... Um, you know, it came to a point where at the other studio, um, again, I was like, I was engineering some projects. I was assisting others, um, pay for an assistant isn't great. Mm, Um, kind of meh. Yeah, it was pretty meh. Um, hours are really meh, you know, 8am to 3am or something like that. Yeah, Especially when it's a record that's already behind schedule. Yep. Which happens Um, more often than people know. Yeah, you know, all of them. Literally the every single record that <laughs> anyone's ever worked on. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and you know, I was um I was things were getting more serious with uh my at the time girlfriend, now wife, and you know, just like working again, it might be seven days straight of um, you know, eight or nine AM until the middle of the night and for not a whole lot of money. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's there. There just comes a time where yep. <laughs> it was like, all right, that's uh, time to I need to, it. yeah, I need to uh, set some some guideline. I need to set some structure here. I need to. Uh, I, I also need it to like be on my terms, you know, because like a lot of the time, I, I would bring a handful of projects there, but most of the time, the owner would call me and be like, "Hey, we got a session. 
these days and these days. But with that, you know, there would be big periods where just like nothing would happen. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, oh, I have like no direct control over, uh, you know, my income essentially. Yeah. Or- you're relying on other, you're like, as I don't, and I think this is part of like, what a lot of people don't understand when they're like, oh, I want to go work in a studio. It's like, I don't know, for me at least, part of the enjoyment of working in a home studio or working in a studio like we do is we're our own bosses and we don't talk with anybody else about our schedule, right? Mm -hmm. Our schedule is what we want it to be. Exactly. For for the most part, obviously. Yeah. Like there's a sense of like the client, we're kind of work for the client because we're a service-based business, blah, 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 whatever. In the grand scheme of things, when you work for a studio, you are subject to whatever that studio schedules. And yeah. you are not 100% in control of your income. It's no different than working for anybody else, really. In some ways, I'd say kind of worse because it's the uh, hours are worse and less, the pay is not good. <laughs> well, yes, and it's less consistent. Oh yeah, that's true. That's true. It's like uh, the inconsistency of being a business owner, but without any of the perks that come with that. Yeah, without any of the actual <laughs> just freedom. all the downsides. Yeah, <laughs> and don't get me wrong; like I am incredibly grateful for that experience, and I'm glad I did it. But yeah, there just like well, came a time sure. when I was like. That's you, enough. Like. You learned a bunch, and that was for a time that you needed to be there, which was when you when you gained a lot out of being an assistant. Exactly. But when you stop gaining a lot by being an assistant, <laughs> then it's kind of uh, – eh. Exactly. It's better to just kind of start doing your own thing. Hey everyone, I wanted to tell you about a great company called That Pitch. Have you ever had some leftover song ideas you just didn't know what to do with? Or maybe you needed to flex that writing muscle, but you still need to get paid. Enter That Pitch, a sync licensing company that pitches your productions directly to their exclusive list of clients. That Pitch has already paid out over $120,000 to its members since October of 2020. They provide production advice, business training, and other resources to make your songs better. Go to thatpitch.com to sign up and use the code HANGOUT for 20% off your monthly or yearly subscription. So I distinctly remember when you started kind of drifting away, because that is when we met. Yes. Um, And you, I believe you bought your house like really soon after we met. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, right around the time we met, we were, I think at the time we were starting to look for our house. And then mm-hmm. uh, around the time that we made our mastermind group yep. was uh, when I was like dealing with actually buying the house. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> yeah, that was good times, good yeah. times. <laughs> good times. But, um, but yeah, so that was, um, I don't remember the year again. <laughs> Last two years have thrown me so off. I don't remember yeah. any dates anymore. But, um, but yeah, so that was a few years ago, um, bought a house with the intent to build a home studio into it so I could, um, you know, put something together a little bit more legit than what I had in my parents' basement mm-hmm. and, you know, get moving with my own studio as I was kind of phasing out uh, working yeah, at the other studio. Which I never told you this. 
But you did this like the smartest way possible. <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah. Like you didn't just go, all right, I need to be done at this studio and make my own studio. So you get done at the studio without anywhere to work. <laughs> and th- that's dumb. <laughs> Don't do that ever. <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, yeah. L- looking back, I could have, I probably could have done it a bit better. Um, I mean, but yeah, there's always bad. learning curves, but I mean, you are also kind of subject to moving and people getting sick and like, the closing took for actually forever. <laughs> yes, actually and, forever. <laughs> and then the and then the building process was a pain because you I mean, you did a lot of that yourself. Yeah, yeah, I did ninety five percent of it. Yeah, um, so by myself. Yeah, so I, I think given the circumstance that was in your control, you did it about <laughs> as best as you could. Well, thank you. <laughs> and you transitioned out. the The key part of there is like. You transitioned out of the spot. You didn't lose income that way. You, you know, didn't break a connection. You know, you like slowly moved out of it. You're still friends with the guys over there, you know, mm-hmm. like that's the smart way to do it and not just yeah. be like, all right, screw you guys. I'm out. <laughs> no, for sure. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, part of it was just the, again, it wasn't like something just set me off and it was just like one day I'm just like, nope, I'm done. Yeah, It was, you know, it was a gradual thing of just like, eh, this is, this is getting old. And, you know, even for the studio, like there were other people starting to come up below me as well. Mm-hmm. So it was just kind of, you know, we just kind of faded, yeah. faded out. Make room for them. You get to do your own thing. Exactly. So, uh, exactly. So you built your own studio in your house. <laughs> I did. So you guys are still in that place, right? Yeah. Okay. That's yeah. what I thought. Um, I was gonna say if you did all that work and then you moved. <laughs> Jeez, Mike. No, not no way, no way. It's gonna be a while. <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah. But so yeah, you, you built out essentially your entire basement, right? Yeah. So, um, so our house is two floors. Um, the bottom floor, kind of half basement. It's half above ground. It's weird. Okay. Uh, we're on a hill. Ah, but gotcha. um, but yeah. So the whole bottom floor, except uh, of one tiny little corner that has our laundry room in it, is my recording studio. Um, and like when we were looking at houses, uh, I was kind of just imagining, you know, maybe getting like a garage or something to build mm-hmm. the studio in. And then when we found this house, it was just like, oh no, that's that's the one, um, because kind of what I wanted, um. Again, coming from like the commercial studio world, um, I, I knew I didn't want to own a full-on commercial studio like I did when I was younger. I was Dude. just like, no, absolutely not. Yeah, and that's like, so much work. Yeah, and just like with, you know, just how the, our industry is changing, like, yeah. I don't think that makes any sense. And it's just so much gear and so many people. And yeah. Is it really worth that amount of money? That's what I'm saying, like. Even if I like, um, you know, if if I won the lottery today mm-hmm. and could go build some crazy commercial studio, I probably wouldn't. I would stick yeah. with this here. Like, I like it. But um, but again, coming from that world, you know, there I saw a lot of the benefits of a lot of the things that commercial studios had to offer. Mm-hmm. Um, so what made this house so interesting for building the studio in is one, I have a separate control room and live room, which is something that like I knew I wanted because yeah. 
you know, my old place at my parents' house was just a one-room thing. Mm-hmm. And I was just getting real sick of sitting next to, uh, you know, half stacks while tracking guitars. And drums. And drums and <laughs> all that. So I knew I wanted two separate rooms. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, so the bottom floor of this house used to be like an in-law suite or something. So there's like a kitchenette and a bathroom and an extra room. So, you know, I saw that and was just like, whoa, this, this might be something here. So again, uh, just built out the kitchen area, made that extra room, a guest room, shoved a bunch of bunk beds in there. So bands can crash there. They've got their own bathroom. They're not like creeping through my house to, uh, (laughs) to find the bathroom. Yeah. Um, so, you know, and again, the fact that they can just like stay here, they don't need to find a hotel. Mm-hmm. Um, cause again, being in upstate New York, uh, kind of the middle of nowhere. Yeah. It's like not too far from, you know, we're not too far from Philly, not too far from New York city, not too far from Boston. Um, but you know, farther than you would want to drive back and forth every day. Yeah. Um, so, you know, having that again, that was stuff like that I saw at the clubhouse was, you know, bands were coming from all over the world and they had like a whole guest house there. Um, so mine's just a shrunken down version of that. I've got the one bedroom, a kitchenette and a bathroom. Um, but yeah, so like I said, when, like when I saw that, I was just like, yeah, no, that, that's gotta be, that's gotta be the house. That's the one for sure. No, I mean, that's really cool. And something, there's something to be said for the the way you kind of you're kind of a getaway. Yeah, studio. no, absolutely. Um, again, that's that, kind of how you positioned yourself in a roundabout way. Yeah. Um, again, something I kind of stole from working at the clubhouse because again, they're uh, in upstate New York as well, and yeah. sitting in like the middle of this gorgeous field in a cute little town. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like watching people come up from New York city and be like, Oh, this is what fresh air smells like. (laughs) And you know, bands just bands love that stuff. Like when, you know, so, um, so exactly like just being like, yeah, come up into the Catskill mountains and come hang out and make a record for a week. Yeah. That's super sick. Like, yeah. Yeah. And you don't feel, and you don't feel like you, I mean, you can just go outside and walk around. You can just Mm -hmm. go be in nature. And you know, if you don't want to go sit in the control room, you don't feel like you have to because if you walk outside, you're on the sidewalk. Yeah, exactly. And like, you know, even uh, sometimes if we're either not behind schedule, if we're <laughs> the rare occasion, we're nice and ahead. Yep. Or if um, or, you know, if just like the the bass player is done for the day or whatever, mm-hmm. bass, bass and drums are done for the day. You know, sometimes I'll like encourage them, like go drive 15 minutes down the road and you'll be at like the tallest waterfall in New York state. And that's super um, sick. You know, go check out this awesome mountain and do mm-hmm. all this shit, you know? like Yeah. 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 No, I mean, that's, I think that's the cool thing is like having things for them to do. That is more scenic and yeah. You know, yeah. I think that's, that's super, that's super awesome. Uh, so you build it out. We don't have to talk about the process of building it out because that's a very complicated, long, arduous <laughs> process. Uh, but what were some things that you were – we won't talk about the full build, but what were some things that you were like, I got to have these things when you're building it? So obviously the room and board, obviously the mix and tracking room separated. Uh, mm-hmm. Were there other like 
specific things that you're like, this is still technically a home studio. So I want it to like be a certain way, but I'm also coming from a commercial space where I can kind of pick and choose the best of both worlds. Yeah. Um, for sure. Like you said, um, the, the biggest one for me was the control room and live room mm-hmm. and soundproofed in between them. Um, not just slanted you know. windows and everything. Uh, I got, I got the straight windows. I didn't no. do slanted. Um, I, I read some stuff said it might not matter. I don't know. I'm not an acoustician. I'm not either. Um, I've heard both. So yeah, straight I've heard was easier. I've so heard, I've that. heard in, I've heard it depends on room size. That's what I've heard. Okay. But I do have the double windows with uh, yeah. 13 inches in between. There you so go. nice chunky wall. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, another one, I, I really, really wanted like a lively room. I wanted mm-hmm. big drum sounds. And this wasn't necessarily something I had any control over because mm-hmm. acoustics are weird. Yeah. Um, and, you know, um, I didn't even know what the room really sounded like at the time because, again, not there were a bunch of walls that weren't put up yet when we bought the house. So it wasn't even like the same shape that it was going to be once it was done. Um, But I did end up really lucking out. Like I just, uh, you know, I just moved all my gear in and the room just kind of sounded really great. (laughs) Um, Like I was really worried I was going to have to deaden it a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, It's like a, it's a, it's a medium sized room. I don't know. It's um, Uh, ceiling height. Ceiling height's eight foot. So, not Pretty high normal. ceilings. Yeah, normal ceilings. It's like 25 feet by 12, I think, give or take. Okay. So um, it's like a long. Yeah, long, narrow yeah. kind of thing. Um, but um, but yeah, so I was worried I was going to have to like deaden it down a ton, which wouldn't have been the worst thing in the world. But um, I, you know, again, coming from that commercial studio where they've got 40 foot ceilings. And, yeah. Um, massive drum rooms. And the little drop cloud thing and all that Yeah, kind of stuff. all the goodies. Yeah. I was just like, man, I really hope it's a cool sounding room. Um, and I lucked out and it was just like, it sounds massive in there. It's like tight. It's not like a big giant reverb cavernous mm-hmm. kind of sound, but, um, but it's super lively. Um, but like, I, I think there's one thing to like take away from that though. Um, for anybody building a home studio, um, especially if you have a separate drum area as opposed to your mixing area. Cause once you're combining both into one room, uh, you know, you got to make compromises for, mm-hmm mixing purposes. But, um, I do see a lot of people, um, you know, a bunch of friends of mine who have home studios, they'll, uh, they'll just build it out and then they just slap up a ton of acoustic treatment right off the bat. And then they move their gear in and see how it sounds. But I'm like, just, just like go listen first, you mm-hmm. know, like see what it's going to sound like. Cause had I done that, I wouldn't be nearly as happy as I am right now. Yeah, that's what I did with this room. So whenever we bought this house, 2019, late 2019, um, I had treatment like ready to go, but I didn't put it in here. Honestly, I actually spent like a good month in this room Mm -hmm. with blank walls Mm -hmm. on purpose Yeah, to just be like, if I'm going to, I got to learn this room, what's wrong with this room first. And where, exactly. where I'm like fighting stuff. And then I need to do tweaks based on that. And then also like, you know, you might, I had my stu- my desk over here on the right wall. I used to, but then I realized, oh, well, I need to be on the short wall um, for correct throw. And also to make sure that my speakers are going into the, 
into the corners correctly so that my traps can kill it and you know things like that um mm-hmm. but also i think you're supposed to be on the short wall anyway from what i've read from other acousticians typically um, yeah typically not, but <laughs> yeah but like theoretically, but yeah, that's, the, that's the correct thing if yes. you have the option i think you're yeah. supposed to be on the short wall um it also just worked out I uh, on that on the same wall that I used to be on. I have a door that goes to a closet that I turn into a vocal booth. And mm-hmm. then, uh, you know, stuff like that. This one has the smaller window, the one that I'm on now. Things like that. I ended up getting this big output desk. So, like, would not have fit on this wall with all yeah. the doors <laughs> that I have. Anyway, so it just kind of worked out better. But I also learned where to put stuff, where not to put stuff, where I need to have things, you know, like you said, I learned the room first and then kind of treated it to where it needed to be instead of just being like, all right, here's all of my treatment. And now here's all of my stuff. I hope it works. Exactly. Yeah, th- that's exactly the approach I took. Um, like I said, like I've got, I don't know, like two pieces of acoustic treatment in that room. Um, a lot more here in the control room. But, well, you, and, but you built that diffusion wall too. Yeah. Which does, I will say, I'm sure that helps a lot too. Oh no, it does. That's, that's the main acoustic treatment really? in that room. Yeah. Um, and then I've just got like a couple gobos that I move around. Nice. Okay. Um, okay, cool. So you just like put them on like little, uh, like on wheels or casters or something and like, yeah, them around. exactly. Um, that's the move, man. Cause then you can make the room as big or as small as you need to. Exactly. But yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. You throw them in front of the guitar amp for a nice tight sound for that and around the singer for vocals and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can bring them in tight to the kit if you want more tight. of that kind of sound, nice yep. tight sound, uh, or just scoot them out of the way for massive, crazy rock drums. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. No, you're good. That's, um, no, that's a really good point. I don't think we've ever talked because we don't get to, we don't talk. We haven't talked a lot about, I don't think acoustic treatment yet. Cause there's very few people, I have like treated stuff here and then, but like Josh is a producer more so. He doesn't mix as much. So mm-hmm. he doesn't really need it. Yeah. Um, he works a lot off of headphones. Um, and he's got like small, bits of treatment that he just kind of floats from place to place with himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I think the only other person that would be, would be my, our friend Lee, but Lee had like a, did a big build out uh-huh. like a multi hundred thousand dollar build out, like nice. a big studio, like a big <laughs> yeah. studio build out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so he had an, he brought in an acoustician to do it for him. So he didn't do it. As much himself. Yeah, when you're when you're at that level, exactly. Uh, that's that's it's the way a you go. home studio in a <laughs> in a place, but I mean, it feels like a home studio, honestly. Uh-huh. It, that's that's the cool thing, and I feel like you captured that too. It's like it's a professional studio in a house. Yeah, like that's kind of what I wanted. Like I wanted it to kind of sit in between somewhere. Um, you know, like I wanted if I'm just recording some you know young band who hasn't been to some crazy studio before you know i didn't want them to come and just be like oh yeah we went up to this guy's home studio i wanted them to just say yeah we went to this cool studio yeah just wanted that but you know like and it's also a sense of like you're not wanting to like scare them especially like young bands like it's intimidating to walk into a really big studio as a young band oh absolutely um but yeah like 
but but on the other side, you know, if I had uh, any of those artists that I mentioned earlier mm-hmm. uh, that I worked with at the clubhouse, like if they came in here, they'd be like, oh, that's a cute little home studio you got. Yeah. Um, but that's exactly what I wanted, like right in between, you know, mm-hmm. sort of, you know, like we've been saying, sort of best of both worlds kind of vibe. For sure. No, that's really, really cool. So, so now you're kind of leaning into just, you went from, I guess the clubhouse was like more folk and indie more in that world more in yeah. that world and um, then kind of some older school of rock and you're kind of leaning into more of the pop punk stuff yeah. back to your roots exactly that's that's what i grew up working with um uh you know just listening to that and playing in pop punk bands and stuff and all those early bands i was recording in my parents basement were all local pop punk bands and stuff um but uh but yeah, and again, I'm I'm bad at genres, so um, just <laughs> well, the whole pop if, rock modern. This, if if <laughs> what are some dope bands that you've been working with recently? Um, just like last week, I had uh, this band called Bonsai Trees in. Um, they're really cool. They got a bunch of stuff out. Um, a bunch of older stuff. Um, again, like I'd probably call them like pop punkish, but like they're mm-hmm. a little grittier, a little more raw sounding. Mm-hmm. Um, but um. But yeah, so, so you know, just kind of like anything that's pop rock ish, basically. Yeah. yeah. But um, but yeah, um, I, again, just like with that being the stuff I grew up on, um, I just my ears just always gravitate towards that like big, massive, clean, modern sound for sure. And uh, um, so yeah, um, yeah, feel free to name drop any any band that you're like, oh, I worked on this record and I think it's really cool. Alrighty. Yeah. So um, whichever so people can get a taste of something that you're like, ah, oh, this is a really good project that Mike has worked on. Uh yeah. So like um I did some sort of half mixing, half recording. Um there's an Australian band called uh Kids in Control. Um I just okay. did a few songs with them. They co wrote them with um Nick Thompson from Hit the Lights. That's super sick. Yeah. So they did the co-writing with them. It was just like, um, again, happening in like 2021. Mm -hmm. Um, There was a lot of virtual stuff going on. They virtually wrote with Nick. And then um, I actually recorded the drums here and they recorded like guitar DIs and bass DIs and vocals in Australia because they couldn't get into like a real studio um, to do drums. And then I did all the reamping and stuff here and then mixed it. but yeah, like that's a really sick, um, they're a really sick pop punk band. I was pretty stoked with how those songs came out. Um, but that's yeah, and um, I'm going to link that? that. I said it's super oh, tight. Yeah, yeah. I said, I'm going to link, I'm going to link that record if people want to check it out. Maybe, or Perfect. like maybe a music video or something like that. If they, if I can find something. Um, and so the other thing I was going to talk to you about is, uh, are you videos still up on youtube they are um sick the find those the better mixes ones yes yeah they are um are you still doing anything with that i i will be oh okay (laughs) so about a year ago i took a month off that uh quickly turned into a year (laughs) um yeah it was right right around this time last year um just just to fill anyone listening in uh i 
have a website called bettermixes.com where I do uh, mixing tutorials and stuff like that. And um, you can find me on YouTube. I've got a bunch of, you know, just kind of like quick mixing tips kind of things. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so about a year ago or something, like just had a lot going on, had a lot of uh, recording projects. So I was getting a little backed up on stuff. I was like, all right, I'm just going to like take a month off. I'm terrible at editing videos. I'm terrible at making <laughs> videos. So like I go way too slow with them. I'm just like, all right, I need to, I need to take a minute. Um, but yeah, that quickly turned into an entire year all of a sudden. That um, happens. Yeah. But in January, I've, I've just made a couple more videos. Um, Heck yeah. That's awesome. So I'm planning to get them moving again in January. I will, uh, link to your YouTube channel over here. I think it's over here. <laughs> over here. Very cool. Uh, yeah. I'll make sure that a little in a card comes out like right here to your, to your channel. Um, and I oh. think is that the same one that has the drum building? Um or was that your personal one? I think that was on my personal one. I'm also gonna link to that video. The okay. the where you did the snare build. Which yeah. I don't even remember that video. <laughs> is that the Red Oak Stave Drum? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I don't. I think that was yours. I think you might have. You did a video on how you built like the snare, I think. I might have. It's been a while. I don't remember, um, but I'm going to find might've... that thing and I'm yeah, going to find it. it if it's still up. Yeah. Um, if on one of my YouTube, I've got like three YouTube channels just because <laughs> very early in YouTube, I was just getting sloppy with where I was putting videos. Yeah. Um, You're just throwing them but, up there. Exactly. But at some point I had to take like a couple down because I was like, oh, I've got like personal stuff on uh, the bunkers one and yeah. bunker stuff on the personal one. Yeah. And stuff was getting sloppy then. But um, but yeah, if that's still up, uh, I'll find be sure it. To link that. I'll find also, it. Yeah. Hey, can I shout out another project I just thought of? Dude. Yeah. Heck yeah. Yeah. Please do. Um, Just I, I th- this one is definitely not pop punk. It's, this is more on like the indie chill vibe. Um. But yeah, over the last year, I've been working with this girl, uh, Alexandra Grace. Um, we did, I don't know, EP, album? I don't remember how long it was. Okay. But um, she just has the most gorgeous voice, and you guys should all go check her out. Um, I will she's link so good. to her. She's so good. I will link to her, <laughs> and I will, uh, yeah, make sure that she gets a shout out um, on the socials and whatnot. So, Sick. hey. Alexander Grace, your voice is dope. Mike says <laughs> it's so. true. <laughs> um, go listen to her music because apparently it's really good, and I'm about to listen to it myself. <laughs> uh, dude, sick. We'll write it. We'll write at the hour mark. Uh, and this has been getting to know Mike Dwyer, <laughs> the episode. <laughs> um, I would like to maybe have, bring you back and talk more about like mixing and tracking and. You know, I know you're you're a big guitar tone nerd and drum tone <laughs> oh, yes. nerd, and so I'm an everything nerd. Yeah, so I I mean we like getting nerdy on here. I think uh, we're we're about to have part twos with a couple of different people who basically episode one was let's get to know you, and part two is going to be hey we're going to get super nerdy on something <laughs> dumb. <laughs> I would love to do that. Heck yeah. Well, like dude, I said, I love getting nerdy on recording stuff. Heck so yeah. anytime. Well, we will do that. Mike, thank you so much for coming and hanging out uh, and dropping some knowledge on the people here. And uh, yeah, 
thanks for showing yeah, up man. on this random Tuesday afternoon. <laughs> Absolutely. No, this was a lot of fun. Yeah. I'm uh, ridiculously stoked. Heck that yeah. you had me here. Yeah. And uh, thank you guys for listening. Um, go follow Mike. Uh, Mike, drop your handles again. At the Bunker Recordings on pretty much anywhere. Well, there you go. Go follow him on At the Bunker Recordings. Uh, and yeah, we'll see you guys next time. <laughs> <laughs>